Listeners, welcome back in the new year. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Michael Peters. We're your Sound Only co-host, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about comic book movies. Micah. What? <laughs> what? Micah. Can I, okay, can I introduce yeah, something real quick as mm-hmm. a tangent leading into this? I mean, you're going to do it anyway. So. An anime series, for instance, that we both have watched before is Serial Experiments Lane. And Serial mm-hmm. Experiments Lane, I won't over explain it, but I would just say it's about a middle school aged girl who gets in way too deep into this sort of 90s internet, right? She builds her own computer and then she gets online and then she Basically, just- like it's, it's like the 90s manifest and the 90s internet really like drive that point home. I mean, like as in... The, the kind of uh, pixelated, made with like Microsoft Paint Pixel, like image of the yeah. information superhighway that you can just grab the tail of. Yeah. That is like what the internet is in the Serial Experiments Lane universe. Right. That's what the character Lane is navigating is that dark, disorienting, brave new world of online, right? And meanwhile, Lane in that show has a friend named Alice. And Alice is also a middle school age girl, but she's just a normal ass girl. She didn't build her own computer. She goes to school. She tries to make friends. She's normal. She thinks Lane's a little weird, but they get along. And as the series goes, Lane increasingly gets into deep into the internet. And Alice is just sort of every now and again, maybe drops by Lane's house, checks in with Lane, sees the internet stuff she's up to, and is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Right, and then you get to the end. And this show is only like thirteen episodes long. By the end and of the show, is, but so much of it is like, and I and I believe like I was texting you about like the pacing of it and like yeah. the emotional tenor of it because there's so much silence in the show to be filled with meaning, like by Alice just going, Lane, <laughs> yeah, and Lane just staring back at her with the glaze <laughs> of somebody who has stared at a computer screen for you know, 72 consecutive hours, right? Then you get to the end of the show and Lane's bedroom is filled with tubes and wires and she's just wrapped up in wires like they're umbilical cords and Alice just comes in her room while she's being attacked by some, you know, internet Jesus and Alice is like, what the fuck happened here? We gotta get you off the internet. You are in too deep. So anyway, this relates back tangentially. <laughs> Alice, to Alice picking, poking her head in and just being like, yeah, are you winning, son? <laughs> are you winning, son? Right. But here's the thing. I am Alice in the sense that this past weekend, okay, I was recovering from, you know, some calf strain, hadn't been sleeping <laughs> well, nine o'clock in the morning. I put on Wonder Woman 1984. One of the most profoundly disorienting movies I've watched in a while. And I just think, is this what you guys are watching? <laughs> and what the fuck? I, I did not know that this is what the comic book movies are. You guys put up with this? This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Micah, explain this movie to me. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> let me let me straighten up <laughs> because because I mean like it is a truly like disorienting like I I will sound kind of insane trying to explain it to you but nevertheless I will persist. The movie is set in 1984, 30 some odd years after the events of the first Wonder Woman movie where we you know, beat the Axis powers and also the God of War. And, uh, you know, everybody had a great time in 2017. But in this new movie, she is, you know, kind of listlessly walking through 1980s DC in high heels and pants. She is Pentagon City Mall, which is like an old hangout spot of mine. But like, you know, it is, it's, it's hard to say precisely what the villain it's what the villain is in the, in this movie it's one of those 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 movies that tries to smartly solve the villain problem by make by externalizing it and making it just greed i think um greed meaning not necessarily money power acquisitions but you know greed meaning also wanting to save everybody that you love Right. It does also feel like that's why the movie, it, the only reason the movie's set in the 80s, right? Yeah. It's because there's sort of greed, the 80s. Go, yeah, let's go greed, with it. Yeah, So, I mean, and Pedro Pass, Pedro motherfucking Pascal yeah. Uh, playing okay. Max Lord. Uh, like, you know, the, the, I guess the, 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 the villain that you can point to in the movie, uh, is, like kind of like the embodiment of of eighties greed, like uh powder blue pinstripe Wall Street banker. Well, the thing is that he's not a Wall Street banker. He's a failed oil man. Like yeah. this is like happening at the tail end of the oil boom in the eighties. He's trying to strike oil when everybody else has already struck it. Um, and the thing is that like Patty Jenkins actively made Pedro Pascal unattractive for this role. Like, no, I mean, he's hot. This shut up. What are you talking no, about? He's not. No, 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 no. Okay, fine. He's on the thing fire. Is that, like, no, he's all right. The only like, thing on is, fire is, in this movie. It is. It is. Despite Patty Jenkins' efforts to make him unappealing and off-footing, like he's still soloing for like 47 points and like uh, it's it's an, it's crazy it like it's i have like frequently watching this movie i was like he is acting in a totally different movie than everybody <laughs> else is like and you know arguments were made on our very own website about how this is by claire mcnear about how this is what you can get when Claire. you get Pedro Cascal and like just, you know, just clear out and let him just 
go for broke on his own without a helmet on. Let his face be seen. Let his expressions be experienced. I credit and blame Claire because Claire, you know, is I think Claire's article on the website is why I was like, maybe I had it in the back of my mind when I woke up one morning to be like, I need to put something on in the background. I feel really unproductive. So shouts to Claire McNair. Thanks a lot. Um, and he, yes, he's an inspired performance. There is obviously a lot of, you know, like you said, powder blue, 80s, con man. Like, the obvious thing is, oh, they're doing a Trump thing. They have Pedro doing a Trump bit, right? Yeah, like, that's big, the obvious big gold ring, like, plasticky black leather shoes, uh, slick back hair, power stanch, handshake stuff. The whole, like, you know, and kind well of falling apart a bit. Era like, kind, he's sweaty. Yeah, the, sweaty. There you go. He looks Here's sweaty. The thing. I would challenge the because tr- the thing is the the other businessman in the movie, right? Simon Stagg, who's the business partner, who's like, oh, you kind of a con man. I'm about to write you out to the you know to the feds. That guy reminded me more of Trump. And there's there's legit a scene in the movie. Where you said I thought that was Rex Tillerman. That yeah, for (laughs) 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 there's a scene where he's shot from the back and he's facing, he's facing Max Lord, and the back of dude's head looks like Trump's wig. And so I I was just like, no, you know who this is? Max Lord is Ted Cruz. Because like the whole bit, like he's doing the the thing about Max Lord is even though all of the, the styling for him is Trump. He says so much he shit that you would never imagine Trump saying. He's so, so corny. So much loser shit in this movie. Like, <laughs> but it's like loser shit. It's like if Jimmy Stewart were playing a loser, he's like, "Oh, I gotta save my business." You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it is very, but because it's also the fact that even though, like, I'm saying all this loser, this loser shit, it's like actually emotionally affecting the way that he does it. Like, even though the kid is, the kid is cheating. But yeah, the kid have. is cheating. He's like, is cheating. <laughs> yo, That's, it's like he's too. It's too adorable. And, you know, too convenient for this kid to come along and start speaking like a 30 year old at the end of the movie (laughs) to tell him, (laughs) hey, dad, you're enough. You know, I love you whether or not you suck. Like it's it's I mean, in any case. That's what Ted Cruz's kid would tell him. Yeah, I'm not trying yeah, to be but, political. I mean, I digress to say that, like I was saying that Pedro Pascal doing the like the voice cracking. I am not a loser thing. Yeah. Cements your point that, yeah, it's more like a Ted Cruz character. Than, yes. Yes. That's it. And I, I will I will give all credit to Claire to, you know, what I mean, that like it's a great. I think it's a good superhero movie performance. I actually, I actually think, I don't know. I got to the end of that movie, especially because in the end, he just goes for broke. Like Max Lord, by the end of that movie, is doing all of the sweaty shit that Harvey Dent is doing by the end of The Dark Knight. <laughs> where he's just like, are you going to shoot a kid? No! <laughs> you know what I mean? It really, it, like, yeah. It, it just, like, keeps, like, intensifying. Yeah. It's one of those performances that feels like... He, you know, grunted over the finish line, collected his check and deposited it directly into like independent New York City theater. (laughs) (laughs) It's just it is truly like it's like it's it's a lot of virtuoso shit in there. Absolutely. The The thing is, okay, I'm very excited by this performance, I think, in posterity. 
this movie will age well because people will come back 20 years later, just like they do with Batman or Forever or whatever. And they're going to be like, yo, who, what the fuck? How did this movie get made? Like, it's so different from all the other comic book stuff in some ways. And the thing is, I would admire this movie more if it, if it was content to just let it be a Wonder Woman versus Max Lord movie. But it does so much other... First of all, Kristen Wiig. We, like, she just sucks the oxygen out of the movie. I think her performance okay, is good, okay, but the way okay. Cheetah... The way her the character's written is so... You know, Clunky. the way that you were, the, we were texting about this and you were just like, did we need, do we need the entire Kristen Wiig? Uh, make detour. her cat move on. Just make her a hot cat. She becomes no, a hot cat. Spoilers. That, like, it's her, like the way that her story is written is actually the most compelling superhero stuff in the movie. And Wonder Woman honestly feels like a villain when she shows up in her gold plated armor. Like, <laughs> To me, in in any case, you also Wonder Woman can't fight. She turtles that whole fight with Cheetah. She, it, yeah, she was she was under pressure. That was like lame. She, was, she but, just okay, 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 okay. But I mean, like you know, Kristen Wiig has like a compelling backstory. Like you know, she has interesting things about her character. She has. She seems to have doubts that we can read on her face and, you know, things that she wants that are like materially evident to you as a viewer. I like but the thing is that like watching like Gal Gadot is like without all of the, you know, uh, person from the before times gaping at all the horseless carriages stuff that she was able to do in the first movie like Chris they gave that all to Chris Pine being like oh Cortez's oh F14 Tomcats yeah gonna just true. glide right over like you know mounted high caliber machine guns <laughs> even though I was like uh a World War II pilot I mean uh, uh like a, one, yeah. a Navy pilot or whatever um I, I guess I mean I, like I'm just saying yeah. that like I it feels like the wigs, the, the Kristen Wig stuff was actually considered and the Wonder Woman stuff was grafted on. Yeah, because you're right. It's apart from the Pine stuff, Wonder Woman just she works at the Smithsonian and her her whole goal in the movie is I wanna be I wanna hook up with Chris Pine again. It's like, well, who among us? I, okay. Yeah, and okay. <laughs> you know, we it's, that's your motivation? It's... I don't I don't know. And and all that's really earned is like, you know, Diana Prince gets back out there again at the end of the movie. Yeah, um, Mary J. Blige kinda, you know. Yeah. But I mean like it, it is it is true. Like it like it does distract from it's there is like a fun, dumb superhero movie in there where Wonder Woman fights Max Lord, but there's so many statements being made in the movie about um, like anti-gun violence at the beginning and like the in the mall scene where she's like, we're not doing that today. And then like there's two and a half more hours of machinery and weapons and tanks and whatnot, like and explosions. It's like then there is um the street harassment stuff with Kristen Wiggs character. There is the weird and troubling problematic stuff in the vaguely middle eastern country of bialia um in the movie and it's like you know it's a lot of like noise to earn the world leveling threat at the very end i um, did feel i felt super pedantic 
getting hung up on this scene. The the scene where the movie broke for me is there's this there is this truly stupid sequence where it's it's where the geopolitics angle is introduced, right? It's sort of Chris Pine, they basically need to, to follow Max Lord to Egypt, right? And they're like, well, we got to get you, we got to get a plane, right? Um, so they they break into somewhere and they steal a plane and then from they, they get detected. A, from a museum. Yeah, they, from a they, museum. They, right. they stole a functioning F-14 Super Tomcat yeah. from a museum. Right. And you got Chris Pine. Well, they're trying to take off, and then they all of these, you know, these all these alert systems go off, and they're about to dispatch other planes to take down the plane they're trying to steal. So one woman says, "I got you." I actually remember this little trick that I saw when I was a kid with coffee cups, where you could turn something invisible. Let me rub my hands together. Poof! The jet, right as it takes off, right as right as everybody's scrambling to take this jet down, becomes invisible. And I'm just watching the scene. And I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with radar? You turn the jet invisible? <laughs> what does that have to do with being detected by radar? And it's like, she's explaining it like, this is invisibility. It is such <laughs> mendacious video game anime bullshit. Yeah, and it's like the plane, when it goes invisible, start, stops making sound. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea what this has to do with invisibility, man. Like, yeah. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Unscramble the jets. And like all of the... All of the surface-to-air gunfire evaporates because we turned the jet invisible, and yeah. now it no longer shows up on radar. It, like it's, it is. And like, she calls so much attention to it. She she roasts Chris Pine for is, not understanding radar, and then it's just like I'll make the jet invisible though. And I'm like, but what what would that solve though? <laughs> what does that have I mean, to do with it? But like. I mean, you know, I also do feel pedantic for like picking at things like that. And also like the physics of flying, like how she manages to comp, like how does the rope work as a propeller in the situation? Does she glide? Is she propelling herself? I I, I only mean, glommed onto it though. Cause it's like, isn't Wonder Woman's jet, like isn't her having an invisible jet part of the Wonder Woman brand? Like, yeah, isn't it that, is. that's the thing, right? And so it's just like, why it feels it just, like the movie the goes way that, out the of the way, way. That it was written into the movie does yeah. feel like they were just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. The jet is supposed to be invisible. So, but it makes Wonder Woman seem stupid as a con. It's just like, dog, you made you incorporated her invisible jet into the movie in a way that goes out of its way to make the whole idea of the jet look stupid. <laughs> and I didn't, I was, I was so thrown. I didn't, I didn't get it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, it's. It's just another one of those things that kind of made Wonder Woman 1984 feel to me like a long string of studio notes attached together by, you know, a romance that had no oomph. <laughs> like, um, you know, with that, uh, with, with, you know, a reprise of the, the winning Themyscira stuff from the first movie at the very beginning and never referenced really again. Like the first 20 minutes of the movie didn't really need to no, be No, I thought the ending really was really desperate to be like, remember the first scene? Because the, the ending of the movie is her kind of lecturing Max Lord about the idea of, you know, getting what you want doesn't, doesn't count if you cheat. Right in the beginning of the mo movie is Wonder Woman is like a kid trying to win like that competition and being stopped at the end of like oh you tried to take a shortcut nah you no know. maybe maybe like it's only the maybe truth. the 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 better way to put it is like 
to be all like art schooly about it and say that the tone of the first scene did not yeah. feel like it was leading towards yeah, I agree. the lesson that little Diane ended up getting. And that's in this in the same way that the climax feels like totally unearned. <laughs> yeah. Well, the climax is funny because it's sort of I feel like the peak of the movie is Max Lord doing this weird Emperor Palpatine thing, this unlimited power thing. But then yeah. he just reverts back to Ted Cruz again. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, my son. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my son. Yeah. Mm, he thought about um, them child support payments. That's messed up. Yeah. All of this to say, like, you know, give us next time just the weird, like, 90-minute Minerva movie, you know? Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Um, make it like... Uh, a 2020 version of the fly next time with a Kristen wig and she turns into a cat. Yeah. Yes. Because she's good. She totally good. And I yeah, would watch it. Exactly. Yeah. You could have spent time with that. it, but we would geez. love to see that. Wouldn't we Jack? Oh my God. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy lube. Cars can be a big investment. So it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. We don't, we don't need to beat up on Wonder Woman in particular anymore. Because from what I understand, you people with these comic book movies cannot... Why? I need you to walk me through. I know we've talked before in a previous episode about the demand for these movies and the state of them, whatever, whatever. But here, I, I guess I want to better understand why the DC movies and the, the DC comics in general just seem to be such a... Why are they such a mess? Why are they so messy? Explain it. They are messy in a way that just seems out of step with how big they are commercially. Well, the I think the... Like, don't quote me on this, but I think the biggest, the highest grossing DC 
uh, Entertainment Universe film was Aquaman in 2018, which is when the new director of Warner Brother Films took over Walter Hamada, who's mm-hmm. basically going to introduce the multiverse to the people this year to try to write the DC universe ship, which I think by making things more complicated, <sighs> yeah. I don't exactly know how that's yeah. going to simplify. But anyway, you know, it's some way to sell there being two Batman happening, one on HBO max and the other one, uh, being Robert Pattinson. I mean, like it's just a way to have multiple projects going on different platforms with different actors playing the same characters. But can you just and, explain to me the idea of a multiverse, though? Because I think this is when you right, say that okay, word. So a multi. Okay, <laughs> so I think the comics thing that we were talking about earlier today was when I sent you somebody tweeting a panel from. Uh, DC's death metal arc, which they've been doing, and I think is that like I have not read a page of it. Like I didn't, I didn't look, I didn't drop in on it until like today after I saw that, because it's Wonder Woman and her gold armor that is like you know featured prevalently in Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four promos, fighting a giant Batman looking character who is presiding over these hideously transfigured people from uh that you know from Batman stories like Robin has really pale white dead grave skin and there's two of them you know Alfred is uh anthropomorphic now like there's a there's is there's a lot of weird shit going on and the writing is like very lyrical and a cheesy sort of commercial page in a comic book way but as it turns out the villain is uh the batman who laughs which was introduced by the original death metal arc uh by scott capullo which ran in 2017 apparently and this is like a reprisal of that and in his universe the batman who laughs is just batman who killed the joker but the joker got the last laugh because he had some sort of death device contraption thing that released a neurotoxin that more or less burned away all of the moral centers of the brain of whoever it was that was in the immediate vicinity which was batman so this batman has all of batman's you know determination uh like lonerism, perfectionism, tenacity, good at everything he tries,ness, but he is also as crazy and as homicidal as the Joker and as genocidal as the Joker. Like, so he he just destroys. Yes, it's Ben Affleck. It's 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 Ben Affleck after uh, six thirty-two ounce Dunkin' Donuts coffees. Yeah, and a Hennessy. And a Hennessy. Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, he, this Batman, like destroys his world universe from the inside out, and then just wreaks havoc on the rest of the multiverse. But um, yeah, there are several Batman. Uh, is is the point there? But that was what the pa- that was what the panel was about. But but th- when you said that word, when you say the word multiverse. I just all the hair on, on both my arms goes up, and I think, nah, you are selling the the 
the sort of nerd core elements of the comic book culture. Are you going to start incorporating that into the movies? Like, I guess it's always been the challenge, right? Of how do you take something that has like a lot of source, like it's got pretty long running, pretty deep source material that a lot of people are wedded to. You transform yeah. it into these sort of more broad, broadly appealing commercial things. But then when you start talking about multiverses, I'm just like, nah, that sounds like the shit from comic books that is just like, like impenetrable okay, to me. So you've seen the Xbox One commercials with Daniel Kaluuya? No. Okay. So newsflash, TV spots, 30 second spots with Daniel Kaluuya, you know, exploring the magical, crazy rainbow world of Xbox One have been airing since I think like the Super Bowl or something. You and the th- thing I is, blank, that, like, I blank out when I see an Xbox. I'm sorry. You know how I feel about Xboxes, PlayStation. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> but what it is is that like it's weird to see Jatim from Widows who is yeah. staring <laughs> so, like Mikey rocks in the face and shot him and and Chuck English and put him in uh, a sports bin or. Uh, you know, Chris from Get Out or literally Fred Hampton yeah. Yeah, in yeah. an Xbox commercial, right? Yeah. It's It doesn't feel like it fits. Yeah. This is like the multiverse idea is that Daniel Kaluuya is like a known quantity superhero character that travels these different universes and maybe somewhere in the center, like they all meet up and there is a... a there is, you know, like an Ur Daniel Kaluuya that presides over how the Daniel Kaluuyas in each universe conduct themselves. That's the mul- that's multiverse theory. Mike, ain't nobody in the comic in the comic book. In a general th- audience, it's, it's like I'm. Just, that, but the thing is, that like that's you see how exhausting it was to even listen to that. <laughs> this is what Walter Amato <laughs> wants to like yeah. introduce to the lay person. It's just be like, hey. They're like Michael Keaton and Robert Pattinson are both Batman because space time. And right. And know, I understand like, the idea of space time as an educated degree holding person. Like, I don't know. Michael Keaton. This is nuts, though. This is sort of I, I guess that's sort of, you know, my original question, right, is why are, why is DC in particular seem so messy? I guess I should expect more of this considering that y'all about to introduce multiverse space time oh, dual well, casting. Well, I mean, like, there's also, like, the, the, the concrete, like, business, like, reason for that is that, like, Marvel, I mean, like, with the exception of the Spider-Man movies, which kept getting reboot, remember? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's so many different, like, half to full trilogies of Spider-Man floating around out there. Um, because Sony had the rights to the character for so long. Right. And then, like, you know, they had Tom Holland. He was, like, the Marvel whatever. And, like, Marvel more or less works with, like, it's kind of like uh, everybody, like, the left hand knows what the other one, like, the right hand knows what the left is doing at right. Marvel, more or less, for, like, lack of, like, a better way to put it. And at DC, like, every character is owned by a different somebody except for like warner brothers owns wonder woman batman superman the flash and the uh some other one of the other big ones or something but like like fox had the i'm talking i'm back to talking about marvel now but like fox had x-men for yeah. instance, like things like that will just happen that make like whatever's happening in that universe with those superheroes just look a total mess because <laughs> they're not doing what everybody else is doing. 
Like they don't have the annoying internecting phase tier system that Disney and Marvel have. We can't get these people Medicare for all. Like we can't get them on the same plan with this. You know what I mean? Like, do you see this working? Like that, that's no, no, I don't see it working. No, but that's the thing. Even it's, it's, it's no, hell no, I don't see it working. But then why is it happening? (laughs) Because, 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 uh, Wonder Woman's gross, despite it, despite us like ripping on it for however many, however long we did it at the top of the show, it gross 86 plus million worldwide and opening, we can whatever that means now. That see that feels like it's yeah. still a lot of money. This is kind of like we like were saying with Cyberpunk, right? Where people are like, "Oh man, Cyberpunk flopped," and it's like Cyberpunk did not flop. That game has problems, but you look look at the receipts for that game. That game didn't flop, and it does feel like that's the weird thing with comic book movies, right? Is even people who are the most into them can't, especially if we're talking about the DC movies. Like I can check in and be like, "Damn, y'all don't y'all don't actually like these movies <laughs> that much at this point." And yet there is this sort of irreversible momentum to them. And where does the irreversible part of it come from? Because I just, I looked at Wonder Woman and I was like, I don't know how, like, I wouldn't put up with this. <laughs> if this was a thing, I was, I'd be like, nah, I'm out. I'm out. No, <laughs> no, I reject this. Yeah, it's I funny. Mean, I laughed at it, but. I can't adequately describe the runaway momentum of super like the reasoning behind the runaway momentum of superhero movies beyond the fact that you can buy black panther masks for your dog you can buy like you know an actual movie quality wonder woman truth lasso if you want like you know there's a thing is that like there's just so much merchandising and everything around these characters that people are familiar and feel safe with and pretty much like anybody could step into these characters theoretically you know provided that they're tall handsome and willing to do the you know rigorous training routine that all these people go through to be put on screen um and like you know the 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 same reason that anybody loves like a good underdog quote unquote story like you know person doesn't recognize greatness within themselves uh rises to meet a challenge and you know in the process you know saves the world is always gonna sell listen in my day back in my day underdog story was like a meg ryan movie you ain't got to put people in pajamas and shit come on now i get where you're coming from I get where you're coming from. Uh, Micah, on sound only, I again, we sometimes have a reputation. I certainly do for being loud and wrong and critical, harsh, grating, whatever. But we like to be constructive. So Micah, you're the, you're the, you are the subject matter expert. I want you to Ugh. humor a counterfactual where, who did you say is in charge now of the DC shit? Hamada? Walter Hamada. Walter Hamada. Assume he is arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Assume he is charged with some sort of financial RICO, et cetera, et cetera. And the new head is Micah Peters. Fix this shit. How how would you... Because at this point, again, I opened the door. I watched Wonder Woman 1984. And I... 
I was just like something, many things have gone wrong on the way to this movie based on, because again, it's like, I watch these things so infrequently. So like I watched Batman v Superman, right? I actually mm-hmm. like that movie. I think that movie is fine. I, I think like the stuff that people say about it is kind of overstated. Uh, I got, yeah, the most recent one, obviously I watched is Wonder Woman 1984. I don't like it. It's bad. I like it. That said, even as somebody who kind who like enjoyed watching a lot of beats of that movie, it's very obvious to me that layers upon layers of decision making that go into these movies is broken. You are the incoming head of development for this bullshit. How do you fix this? Pitch me the movie that fixes this. Reboot it. What would you? Whatever you got to do, fix this. <laughs> the thing is that, like, again, I. I feel like I might have mentioned this on an earlier episode uh, when I was talking about Batman stories that I think are interesting and could like work in present day or whatever. Oh, it was when we were t- it was when we were talking about the Batman movie, and I was just like, "This should be like this is your opportunity to get like kind of like weird and art house with the character." And the story that I, I like, the, I still stand by like this the Batman story that would work currently is the Batman year 100 story where Batman is like uh, his only superpower is not being like listed anywhere. And he's broken living in between like different, like shitty lofts around Gotham city. Like, like it's, that's the vibe of like the superhero movie that I personally want. And the thing is that I think honestly, Okay, first of all, if I'm rebuilding like the DC universe, you know, with its first foundational brick, again, unfortunately, you do have to start with Batman because you just can't start like building the physics of your world with somebody that can fly. Just won't work. Like I've, it's it. Too many people have too many ideas, and there'll be too many things to answer for later. So I would be starting with the Batman movie that I discussed. On a previous episode of this podcast, it would be Batman Year One Hundred. The like the Batman uh, versus the Surveillance State comic by Paul Pope, um, where Batman lives in a in between like a series of rundown uh, abandoned lofts in Gotham City, and he like has no money. Like I would, I, that's the and the thing is, is that Robert Pattinson would be fucking perfect yeah, for that. Yeah, I'm like, imagining the, him the, doing that. Yeah. Yeah, like the 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 vague bohemian sort of heroin shake thing would work perfectly for like that version of Batman. And it'd be a good place to start. And the thing is, is that I'm knowing like my limitations with uh, how well anything has worked at DC. I would honestly was just start with trying to make one really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Although what you're describing in that year 100 pitch, right? It's sort of, it's, it's very low key and it feels like it relies on a lot of, um, like I get why Pattinson could pull it off, but otherwise I worry that there's a sort of anonymity in that pitch that feels at odds with how these, these things end up turning into these star making vehicles for like this huge constellation of actors who I don't want to give a shit about. And I think that, um, I don't know. I thought about that a lot watching Wonder Woman 1984 of like appreciating Kristen Wiig's performance, but also feeling like the reason she's so, at least in my opinion, I felt she was, they spent so much time 
over elaborating her motivations in her arc when it should have just been like, yo, just make her a cat. It's a, it's a fucking superhero. Just make her a cat. But they're stuck with Kristen Wiig. They got to give her the screen time because it's Kristen Wiig. You know what I mean? You got to bring the like the, the the one producer, one rapper vibe to like these superhero yeah. projects, honestly. Yeah. That's the I way agree. that I would fix it because it would just be like, you don't get to have notes about whether this is too dark or too funny or too violent or too whatever. Like, I need a consistent vision from beginning to end. That yeah, is, you're trying to get Zaytoven to produce these movies. Let's see where you're going with this. It, well, it's like, it's really that because is that not where the most of these movies fall apart? Is yeah. that like it feels like there are entirely too many cooks in the kitchen? Yeah. That I think that that is maybe like one area where there is a feasible fix that wouldn't just be kind of rolling the dice on let's make the best movie possible. I think that's fair. How do you fix the Superman problem you were describing though? It's like Superman is OP as as F. Like he is OPAF. <laughs> Superman is OPAF, and it feels like I'm not even trying to watch a, a Superman movie. It feels like there's, they just, I don't trust DC to do anything, even as somebody who's not even that invested in like the Marvel versus DC conflict. It feels like Superman cinematically destroys everything he touches at this point in the history of comic book movies. Um, Superman, yeah, Superman, it's difficult because like, I think that the most interesting thing you can do with the Superman character is to give him like some sort of internal moral struggle. But it's always going to be difficult to believe because the actor that you're going to need to play Superman is going to be sickeningly handsome. So it won't be able to like be convincing totally. Why is that canonical? Why is the idea that Superman is hot canonical? Just get get somebody frumpier. Get somebody who has a bit more pathos that you can work there with. There is, I think that I think that or bring back that's Tom probably Wally. it. Like thinking about how thinking about Superman more as an idea. Um like well, not thinking about Superman more as an idea. That sounds incredibly cheesy, but I mean thinking about Superman from the perspective of other people. Like a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bad yeah. thing that like a good thing that Brightburn did was kind of like make the discovery of, you know, rogue Kryptonian child in the Midwest feel like uh like a Bigfoot sighting. Like a lot yeah. of found footage, et cetera. I don't know, like maybe some more stuff like that more stuff of like him like being as clark kent and dealing with actual conflict of getting picked on at school and not knowing what to do in that situation like that an actual real person who has been picked on at school's like perspective of that like being like going from being like kind of spindly to your powers kind of awakening at 12 and being able to throw a tractor yeah but you know billy's getting in your face billy from first Yo! period is getting in your face exactly. again and you know you could turn him into a greasy spot on on the sidewalk if you wanted that's the thing because if you think of middle school me or middle school micah or high school me even or high school micah you know i would getting be powers so like that would not be heroic it would be use yeah. my powers for evil like shit, and there's yeah. never any of that because it's you know superman is the truth justice in the, in the american way 
Like, so there needs to be more conflict in the character. Yeah. So I feel like, and let this be my, you know, we're copywriting and trademarking stuff to get, you know, paid residuals off the ideas generated and, you know, our pitches to rehabilitate DC superhero movies, obviously. Uh, (laughs) You know, let my contribution on the record be, if Pedro Pascal could ask, what if Ted Cruz was hot? Right? I feel like these movies could ask, what if Superman were not hot? You know what I mean? Like, what if Superman was kind of busted in the face? What if he was busted in the face and a little mad about it? And not mad again in, what's his name? Henry Cavill. Like, not mad what in if, that what way. If, what I if mean, Superman real mad. Had a, what if Superman had a quarrel with God and, yeah. you know, not dark side? You know? What if, what, what about that? Yes. We're basically pitching Jesus Christ Superstar at this point. But with Superman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, shit. Anyway, I love talking about these movies with you just because, again, yeah, I, I feel like I'm walking in on shit that I should just not be overhearing. Well, whenever, I, whenever I try, that's the thing. Like, I had this conversation with my girlfriend, right? And this is why I ended up watching it in the first place. My girlfriend, um, over the holiday break, she, you know, we, we do these Zoom date nights. We watch a movie, watch a TV show or whatever. And she's like, uh, what do you want to watch? Should we watch a superhero movie? And I was like, do you like superhero? You don't like superhero movies. And she's like, well, no. And I was like, well, I don't like them either. So why are we watch a superhero movie? And she was like, I don't know. I mean, you know, people watch them. <laughs> you know, let's try to be in the zeitgeist. And I was like, but the zeitgeist is bad. Have you ever seen these movies? And that's the thing. I, 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 I feel watched, like I'm there. It, it was sort of like leading the witness when I went into you know, the next day when I went into watching Wonder Woman 1984, because I knew people didn't like that movie. But even other times where I feel like I just sort of say, you know what, let me try to plug into the zeitgeist and, and give these things a chance. And I always come out like, oh boy, <laughs> this is, you know, like, I need to know who, more. <laughs> who boy. <laughs> who boy, you know what I mean? Um... So I like to think that you and me together can, if we can't get out of the world in which these things are just the monoculture and we all have to sort of accept them as the lingua franca of commercial entertainment, then I at least think that we should, as two podcast hosts, find a way to just reboot them, you know, from the (laughs) grassroots, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. If anybody has Mr. Hamada's email, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you got his email, uh, if you um, if you if you have other if you have other ideas on how to save the DC universe, email uh, us. Email us. You know, sound we only will, pod. We will absolutely credit your ideas to you in our meeting with uh, the interested parties at Warner Brothers. You know. It's, Although I would challenge our listeners, do not. Okay, my challenge to you is: if you really want to humor us, humor our solicitation for ideas, you are not allowed to use the word multiverse in your email. We not no, <laughs> we are not doing multiverse shit. I swear to God, that's the thing. All of this, like, that's where you start getting into the stuff that I know makes the. Well, it doesn't even feel like it makes the actual comic book fans happy because then it's just like that's the stuff where you know people in Hollywood are gonna fuck it up. So no one's happy because you either are a regular person watching this and you're going like, why are there two Batmans? 
Or you're a nerd watching this and you're going, why did they fuck up the two Batmans? You're like, you're, 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 you're a comic nerd that has like very scientific quibblings with what's going on. Like, you know, you can't do the Kessel Run in 14 parsecs because 14, because a parsec is a unit of distance and you can't go a longer distance in a shorter distance. That doesn't make any sense at all. Listen, Wonder Woman doesn't even understand radar as far as I can tell. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Be very just email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Statler. That's Waldorf. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Waldron. <laughs> I got it wrong. But, uh, you know, I'm Micah Peters. I'm Justin Charity. We'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.